Section twelve of Trees Every Child Should Know by Julia Rogers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne. Two conifers not evergreen. Two cone-bearing trees have the astonishing habit of letting go their leaves in the fall and thus setting themselves apart from the evergreens to which they are otherwise closely related. Their cones are like those of pines and spruces. Their leaves are needle-like, and their flowers are the cone-flowers like the rest. Although they stand bare in winter-time, their fruits declare their kinship with the evergreen. Their forms also suggest this kinship, for each is a spire-like shaft, from which short branches stand out horizontally like those of the pointed firs and spruces. THE LARCHES In the northern states and Canada, long stretches of cold marshland are covered with solid groves of tamarack our american larch tree in summer the branches are covered with long drooping twigs each set with many blunt side spurs from which a tuft of soft needle-like leaves forms a green rosette or pompon the end twigs have needle leaves scattered their whole length after the fashion of the spruces purplish cone flowers and yellow staminate cones appear in spring and in autumn among the leaves that are turning yellow a crop of cones is ripening they stand erect and solitary on the twigs between the rosettes of leaves in winter the long flexible twigs are bare except for these cones the little knobs along the twigs are the stubs which bore leaves in the spring new leaves come out pale lettuce green feathery transforming the treetop into a thing of beauty this larch tree of ours is more sparsely branched than the larch of europe it looks ragged and unhappy when planted in our lawns it is at its best in the cold north where it grows in dense crowds and the tall trunks are stripped free from limbs well towards the tops these straight shafts are cut for telegraph poles railroad ties and posts the heavy resinous wood lasts a long time in the ground the larches planted for shade and ornament are of the european species which thrives in any soil it has a denser head of branches and much more luxuriant crown of foliage than our native species it is a beautiful feathery pyramid of green distinctly different from other trees in europe large forests are grown on the mountain sides and from these the tallest mass for vessels are obtained the heavy resinous wood does not easily take fire as do the pitch pines the old wooden battleships were faced with larch wood because of this and because larch wood is so durable in contact with water indeed it has the reputation of outlasting oak and the woods of all other conifers in the woods of the far northwest and inland to montana the western larch is one of the mighty forest trees six feet in diameter and two hundred feet in height are not uncommon dimensions among these giant larches these trees are of slow growth and they stand with their roots in water or in wet soil though on the mountain side this is an important lumber tree with wood that has all the good qualities of its family in europe the tree is planted for forests and as an ornamental tree we cannot grow it in the eastern united states it is worth a journey across the continent to see it growing one of the most magnificent trees in the world the bald cypress travelers in the south pass forests of dark pines and along the edges of swamps the pines often give way to solid stretches of trees with pale gray trunks and lettuce-green foliage, whose lightness contrasts strangely and beautifully with the solid bank of dark green that roofs the forests of pine. 
a closer look at these strange trees, which often stand knee-deep in water, is not so easy. At certain seasons of the year, however, these swamps are dry enough so that one may walk dry-shod among them, and so learn to know the bald cypress of the south, one of the most beautiful and interesting of Native American trees. This is the second of the cone-bearing trees which is not an evergreen. The leaves of the new shoots are two-ranked, soft and pale sage-green in color. The stems that bear these plumy leaves bear also scattered single blades. Among them are older twigs, tipped with cones, and bearing branchlets, with scale-like leaves scarcely spreading at the tips. These are much smaller than the leaves arranged in two ranks, forming feather-like leafy branchlets. It is these which are shed, branchlets and all, in the autumn, and fresh in spring renew the feathery grace of the long, narrow-top tree. The most surprising thing about the bald cypress is the flaring base of the trunk, and the root system which seems too large for the tall but unusually narrow top. Knees of cypress rising out of the water from the main roots are distinguished from stumps by their smooth conical tops. The base of a great tree often spreads into wide flying buttresses, each hollowed on the inside, but serving with the others to support the hollow-trunked tree. Many a giant of great age stands thus on stilts, whose submerged ends are the gnarled roots of the tree. From these rise many smooth, knobbed knees above the surface of the water in the rainy season. By some foresters, humps on the roots are supposed to be necessary to the proper breathing of the roots, submerged under water so long a part of the year. The question of what causes these growths, and of what use they are, is not fully determined. The cones of the bald cypress are globular, and about the size of an olive. By them the tree declares its relationship to the needle-leaved evergreens. The wood is light and easy to work, but not noticeably resinous. It is used for buildings, and for special parts, such as doors and shingles. It is beautiful when stained, and would be more valuable for interior finish of houses did it not keep the record of each bump and dent, as all softwoods do. Buckets and barrels to contain liquids are largely made of this wood. In railroad ties it proves very durable. The best and strangest fact about this tree is that though it belongs to the south, and is a swamp tree by preference, it grows large and beautiful in the north, and in soil that is only moderately moist. The parks of Brooklyn have some noble specimens of this bald cypress of the south. They stand, tall, handsome shafts, feathered lightly with their short, drooping side branches, clothed with pale green leaves. There's no peculiarity of spreading trunks or knees to disturb the sod that comes up around the base of the tree. In autumn the foliage turns yellow and drops with the larch leaves. Through the winter the globular cones are present to prove this bald cypress a relative of the evergreens, which are its neighbors. The Hollies No Christmas is Christmas truly, without at least a few branches of the evergreen holly of the south, whose leathery, spiny-pointed leaves are brightened by clusters of red berries. Every year, hundreds of crates and boxes of these holly branches are shipped north from the woods of Alabama and other southern states. Many people make their living by cutting loads of these branches and hauling them to the shipping sheds, where they are packed and put into the railroad. The business has grown so rapidly within the past twenty-five years that holly trees are becoming very scarce. It has never occurred to those who cut down and strip the trees that it takes years to grow new ones, and that nobody is planting for the future. Holly wood is white and very close-grained. 
it is admirable for tool handles whipstocks walking sticks and for the blocks on which wood engravings are made the living trees are planted for hedges and for ornament the leaves are evergreen and the berries add brightness and warmth to the shrubbery border when snow covers the ground although it reaches its greatest size and is most commonly found in southern woods this little tree follows the coast as far north as long island i found it much higher than my head growing wild on the sandy bar that separates great south bay from the ocean east of new york harbor further north it is occasionally found but in stunted sizes and it is easily winter killed the holly of europe which has brightened the english christmas for centuries has a far more deeply cleft and spiny leaf than ours beside it our holly leaves and berries are dull and dark colored the whole tree lacks the brightness of the european species hedges of this lustrous leaved holly shut in many an english garden and their bright berries glow cheerfully through the gray sunless winter days no wonder the gardeners frown upon the little thrushes that feed upon these berries thus robbing the garden of one of its chief winter charms three other american hollies are found as shrubby trees in our eastern woods but none of them is evergreen and the trees are not numerous in any locality we shall oftenest see the species known as the winter berry whose abundant red berries remain untouched by the birds until late in the spring many of these fruit-laden branches are gathered in the wild and sold in cities for christmas decorations sprays of these berries are often added to the evergreen holly branches when their own berries are scarce christmas holly is something we cannot do without as the supply grows less the price will mount higher then will come a time when it is profitable to raise these trees in quantities and holly farming will be practiced in favorable localities in the southern states but that time has not yet come the burning bush a little tree not at all related to the holly but truly a cousin of the bittersweet has a rather surprising name in summer it looks like a wild plum tree except for its fluted ash-gray bark the flowers have purple petals and look somewhat like potato blossoms they would never attract your attention as you pass the tree in autumn the leaves turn yellow and gradually the purple husks that cover the scarlet berries split open and curl back watch the gradual opening of these husks and notice from some little distance the gradual reddening of the treetop as the yellow leaves fall and more and more of the scarlet berries are revealed as the husks curl and shrink away from them it is in this seed and husk that the resemblance and relationship of the burning bush and the bittersweet vine is revealed the european spindle tree and a number of japanese and chinese species are now planted in american gardens and called by their genus name evonimus the red-fruited sorts all come under the common name burning bush and they do burn with a steady flame when winter has robbed the gardens of color evergreens form a beautiful background for these ruddy little trees End of section 12.